0: Welcome to The Voice of Conservative Values with Daniel Bobinski of True Idaho News and Uncover DC, brought to you by ConservativesOf.com. And now, here's Daniel. Hello and welcome to The Voice of Conservative Values. My name is Daniel Bobinski, editor of True Idaho News. This is the show where we talk about the principles and values that made America the greatest country on the planet. And no, I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm holding in my hands here a small book called The New England Primer. This is a book that was used in America's public schools for well over the first hundred years of our country's existence. Uh, It was the standard textbook in America at our country's founding. It was used throughout the 1800s. It was even used in American public schools in the 1900s. And just to give you an idea of how the judeo-christian principles permeated our society Uh, this is how they taught the alphabet for the letter a the word was adam and so the little rhyme that went with with that was in adam's fall we sinned all and for the letter b it was the word book and they said thy life to mend this book attend and it had a picture of the bible and it goes through all of that in fact this entire book is just permeated with judeo-christian principles Uh, Unfortunately, this book faded from use at the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, It's now back in print, by the way. You can get it on Amazon, but I don't recommend people shop there anymore. So you can go to places like Wall Builders, and I think you can get it for like $9. It's called the New England Primer. But I just wanted to share that with you to give you a glimpse of what elementary school children in our public schools were taught in this country for over 100 years. And as we've discussed on this show before, you probably are aware that the Marxists of the world, those who hold a communist worldview, they really want to take America down and they're known for playing the long game. And as I've talked previously about, like the communist defectors that came to America during the Cold War, those guys who were trying to infiltrate us and were doing a very successful job, uh, told us that they were infiltrating in five areas, law schools. Religious institutions, entertainment industry, politics, and education. In fact, if you go to YouTube, you can see interviews with Yuri Bezmenov, where he's talking about how surprised they were, the Russians, the Soviets, that America was succumbing to the infiltration as quickly as as it was. And I think a lot of that had to do with the foundation that was laid by people like John Dewey, who was a self-proclaimed socialist, and those of you who are my age will know he had a huge impact in American education because we have like the Dewey Decimal System. So John Dewey was very much involved in helping to create a what he called a progressive perspective. But education has definitely been infiltrated in our country. And can we get it back? That's the question for today's show. And so I have with me in the studio uh, Myla Wood and Stephanie Zimmerman of Idahoans for Education. Mila, welcome to the show. Thank you, and Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hello, <laughs> thanks for joining me. So, you guys started this um, this Idahoans for Local Education. You were telling me when Common Core started is that was that the impetus?
1: It was back in it was uh, summer of twenty twelve. My sister called me from another another state, and she was like, "You got to check into this." And I was like, "It can't be that bad." Our local leaders wouldn't um, bring it in if it was, and the more I looked, the more Worried I got about it, and I kept thinking, somebody's got to do something about this. Somebody's got to do something about this, until one day I realized I was somebody and, <laughs> and uh, just um, started meeting people, one of which was Mila, and we, we put together this group, Idahoans for Local Education.
0: So Common Core, we, we have that in Idaho today, do we not?
1: We do. We do. We
2: renamed it. What did you rename it? We named it Idaho Core.
0: Oh, really? Interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit about Common Core then. We've heard about it, and it's in our school systems. Uh, for those of the, the listeners who may not be familiar with the foundation and the, and the principles of this, could you please explain Common Core for us?
2: Yes. I think one of the things that escapes a lot of people, including legislators on the education committees and JFAC who fund the stuff, is that Common Core was a package reform that came down. There were four pillars that worked together. The first was standards, the second was a data collection system, state longitudinal data system. The third was equitable redistribution of teachers, and the fourth was the turnaround of schools.
0: Okay, let's break that down a little bit then. What's the first one?
2: Standards and assessments.
0: So how is that creating an issue for us?
2: so that was the actual common core standards along with um there were two federal consortiums for tests that are assessments not actual knowledge tests but assessments of behaviors and then
0: i'm going to jump in here because i for, for for those who don't know i have an undergrad in education a master's in education and all my doctoral work up to the dissertation is in education i was a graduate assistant in the college of education i was there Uh, One of my tasks as a a graduate assistant was to look at the standards of the various schools and uh, the various uh, accrediting agencies and take a look at how the different districts in our state were were looking at those standards. And I I noticed when I was doing that, that the Common Core standards were significantly, shall we say, weakened compared to other standards that I was looking at. Would Would that be true from your observation?
2: Well, let's be clear. I am not a credentialed educator, which was pointed out to us numerous, of, <laughs> numerous times. <laughs>
1: we don't have the right letters behind our name.
2: <laughs> so we always tried to find people that were experts in and were credentialed in standards themselves. Okay. So.
0: so they're just playing the power trip on you. Okay. So from that point, with my education and my letters after my name, I will say that I noticed that there were significantly reduced standards. What was the next pillar?
2: The next pillar is the state longitudinal data system. So the federal government cannot um, collect data on your child and your family. So what they did is they incentivized and coerced states into creating 50 identical data repositories that could seamlessly talk to each other and share information across states with the federal government.
0: Which is a violation of our constitutional rights to privacy. Can you elaborate on that a little more?
2: So um, a lot of people, I think, just assume that we have a constitutional right to privacy. And we assume that our local school districts would never do that and would never share information. And so we actually, uh, I can let Stephanie talk about when we were made aware that we did have a data privacy bill come to the Capitol building.
1: We had one that came through and, uh, we actually, we, we presented one, and they um, then they brought this other one in. But as you go through the, the data bill, you find that it actually didn't protect any data. It gave the State Board of Education the ability to control how the data was used. And not only that, then it it had the ability, if somebody abused that data, and how it, how it was used and how it was handed out, then the State Board of Education could then determine who had violated the statute. But it was the State Board of Education who was, you know, doling all this out. It was the, the fox guarding the hen house. The, there were so many holes in our data bill that anybody could have access to it. Anybody could, you know, all you had to do was get permission from the State Board of Education and you could have access to that data.
0: And we should point out that the State Board of Education is appointed by the governor.
1: They are an unelected body, basically.
0: Right. And so if they have a personal agenda that uh, they want to accomplish, they're not accountable to the people, which is kind of dangerous. They They serve at the whim of the governor. Yes. Hmm. All right. What's the third pillar?
2: The third pillar is the equitable redistribution of teachers, which is their wording, not mine.
0: (laughs) Okay. What does that mean?
2: (laughs) That means that teachers within schools were supposed to be ranked from they're supposed to be a top And they're supposed to be a bottom.
0: So forced ranked as far as efficacy as a teacher. Yes. Okay.
2: And so someone within the school was supposed to be charged with creating that and ranking that person or those people within that ladder. And the whole goal was you could, it wasn't equitable or fair to have all the good teachers in the good schools and all the bad teachers in the bad schools that were underperforming. So if they took the bad teachers and moved them to the good schools and took the good teachers and moved them to
1: the bad schools, then things would, they would be equitably distributed among all the students. Hmm. So everybody got, had an equal chance to have good teachers and bad teachers.
0: And this is happening.
1: That's part of the, um, if you go through and look at old legislation, that's part of the, you know, the pay ladder in that, that was so controversial a few years ago. That's, that's why they were implementing
0: this. Well, can you imagine being a teacher and just being realized that your your supervisor ranked you the least effective teacher in the school? Not much motivation to go and there. And based on what? Yeah. When, yeah. Based on what criteria? That's a great point. Based on what criteria? Um, I know from a business perspective, uh, when I've been, because 30 years as a consultant in, in uh, to corporate America, in in educational realms and human resource development realms, corporate development things. Uh, when you take a look at developing people, uh, to, for- to me, force ranking them top to bottom is not an effective method. You set personal standards for achievement for each individual and help them achieve those standards. You don't just force rank them. Uh, it devastates morale. So what you're saying is this has been happening in hour education system.
2: Yes, and because we agreed to it in the grants, and that was part of what we've. Well, been when you seeing. say we agreed
0: to it, you mean the state agreed to it. Well,
2: well the, actually, Tom Luna and Butch Otter agreed to it in the federal grants.
1: In explain the, in the federal grants and the and the waiver and the waiver and the waiver. All
0: right, there's two things to explain. Now go back and talk to me about <laughs> Tom Luna and, and Butch Otter.
2: So, what was interesting about these grants is that they were they were foisted upon the states during the downturn. So when you said
0: downturn, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, yep, okay. two thousand eight, two
2: thousand nine, um, during America Reinvestment and Recovery Act, and okay. so they put money out to the states um, in the form of grants, and so they brought them down. And I'm going to assume that it was through the National Governors Association, ish type area to best practices. This is how we recommend you get your economies going. Um, And and what
0: politician, I mean, I I can't think of any politician that has seen a dollar that he didn't like. Exactly. Somebody
1: else's dollar in particular. Sure. So, and
2: most people don't know this as well, but the National Governors Association and the um, Council on Chief State School Officers are the copyright owners of Common Core,
0: Core. Say that again.
2: The National Governors Association... And the Council on Chief State School Officers, which is the state superintendent's private organization, they're the ones that own
1: the copyright a, on
2: Common Core. Oh, my
0: gosh. Whoa, there is some news for us. There was something else to explain.
1: Okay. So there were actually three different ways we ended up with Common Core. One was this, um, the ARRA, which we got the State Fiscal Stabilization Fund grant. And then there was Race to the Top. But another application that we... Um, and in was the ESEA waiver or the no child left behind waiver. About the time all of this was happening, there were some benchmarks that each state was supposed to hit academically with the, the testing. You remember no child left behind came in and all of a sudden there were all these assessments and, and scores that you had to um, hit and no state was going to hit those. So the federal government came in and they're like, okay, we're going to give you a waiver for that but in order for you to achieve this waiver to receive this waiver you have to agree to these four pillars mm. as we call them and surprisingly enough they're the ones that you know Miley just mentioned and these states were kind of desperate they're like there is no way we're going to hit the benchmarks for no child left behind absolutely we will we will take your waiver we'll adopt those standards that haven't even been written we'll implement the data system We'll you know we'll do anything you want just just
0: give us the money just
1: well, just don't make us hit these benchmarks <laughs> because then then the there was um the threat of g- having um funds taken away mm-hmm. so you know it's they Follow hit us the money sure they hit us any direction they could
0: mm-hmm. all right, so what's next
2: well so and kind of as an interesting thing so No legislators were involved in the actual adoption of Common Core, which is interesting. So Luna and Otter essentially sign up for this, and we can read this in our...
0: um By the way, you you can't see because we're on radio, but she's got this book in front of her that's about two inches thick. And it's all about what what this, this Common Core in Idaho has been doing. Uh, what you're saying is that our legislators did not vote on common core this was this was well
2: they voted on it but they did not vote on it until january 24th 2011. but when you read through the history of it idaho sent a team of 10 stakeholders to a national common core adoption conference in chicago illinois on october 30th 2009. The conference centered on discussion of the Common Core standards and their implementation. Members of the team included representatives from the Idaho Education Association, the Idaho School Boards Association, the Idaho Association of School Administrators, the Idaho Legislature, the Idaho Council of Teachers of English, and the Idaho Council of Teachers of Mathematics, as well as Superintendent Luna. The standards themselves were not finished, until June 2nd,
1: 2010. And that's actually um, a full year after Butch Otter and Tom Luna signed the grant application for the state fiscal stabilization fund. That was in April of 2009.
0: This is crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this going, we have, and I have to uh, say, we homeschooled. So I was not, into learning about these things because I was focused on my business and raising my daughter in a homeschool environment. But you guys had children in the public school systems. So you were able to learn about this, you saw the dangers, you got involved, and you're telling me that we have some of these testings going on, and I, and I understand education, I understand knowledge, uh, skills, and attitudes, and, and uh, the whole purpose, I mean, I, I'm steeped in this stuff. But you're, you've, you got here in front of me, this test, that 10th graders, this is part of the Common Core?
2: Well, this came in 2014. This is when the assignment came in.
0: Okay, so this is an assignment for a 10th grader in, you said, in Middleton, Idaho. Yep. And this is called the National Hate Test. And it's called the Hate Test. And it just, just listen to some of these questions. It says, um, how comfortable would you feel working with someone if you knew that person was gay? I'm thinking, to what educational uh, learning objective would that be attached? How much uh, would allowing a child of yours to play with another child who is HIV positive bother you? These are all uh, what we call um, effective type learning questions. They're values questions. These are not educational standards questions. And yet this is a national test.
2: Well, and that's those are good questions. So no one is allowed to see the test the SBAC test is what we use here in idaho it's called the isat 2.0 and no adult no parent is allowed to see the test so we don't actually know what's on it excuse me <laughs> and it's an online test and it is parents
0: are not allowed to see the test
2: no and the teachers in the classroom are not allowed to be in the classroom with their own kids so they switch the teachers around in the classrooms But it is a test that is done by a company called AIR, A-I-R, American Institute for Research, and it is a behavioral research company. And it is, um, Linda Darling-Hammond is actually the person in charge of our SBAC ISAT 2.0 test, which you can look her up. She's interesting. And she happens to be really good friends with a guy (laughs) who happens to be one of my favorite common core people. Stephanie always laughs. Uh, Bill Ayers he is the head of the other federal test, which is the park test.
0: So uh, Bill Ayers, let's do a really quick history on Bill Ayers. Um, this guy was a, uh, a true domestic terrorist, uh, bombing places in the United States, did some time in prison, my understanding. And then um, I, we know for a fact that Bill Ayers' parents helped fund the uh, college education of a man named Barack Obama, And then it turns out that Bill Ayers ends up uh, helping the Barack uh, Barack Obama administration. Is that not true?
2: Yeah, I was actually reading through some documentation the other day that said that he almost became our head
0: of education. Yeah, our education secretary. (laughs) Yeah. And so he was involved in creating these tests that we're seeing?
2: Well, he's in charge of, of the PARC test, which was there were two federal tests. One of them was the SBAC. The other one was the PARC. But he's actually been involved quite heavily in teacher
0: trainings. And Bill Ayers, we, we know, because of his own admissions, this man is aligned with the Marxist socialist worldview. Th- this is what we're dealing with as, as citizens in this country and as Idahoans, and we're not being told these things. These are all stuff that that we just go about our day and we think that our, our teachers are educated in how to teach and they've got the letters after their name and they're certified and they've got our children's best interests in mind, when in fact... I don't think that's necessarily the case. When, when they're not allowed to show parents tests. In fact, we've been having the education task force down at the Capitol. And you have people who are requesting a curriculum of the school districts here in Boise. And the school district is telling these people on the task force, you can't see that i'm thinking why not this is purchased with public well it's copyrighted material well of course it's copyrighted material but it's purchased with taxpayer dollars and therefore we should have the right to see that stuff and yet our school districts are denying this by the way if you're just tuning in uh we're talking with milo wood and stephanie zimmerman of idahoans for local education and you guys are in uh, ada county and canyon county both of you. Uh, did you experience any of this kind of pushback from your uh, districts when you were seeking information?
1: I pulled my kids out. Why is that? Because I saw what was, what, what was happening and what was coming in. Kind of the final straw was one day when I, I went to go um, get a child out of school and I was talking to the teacher about it and she shut the door and she says, thank you for taking care of this because I can as a teacher. And that was kind of when I went, when a teacher can, um, does not have any control over what is taught to my child, when she can't speak out against it, then I need to, and I need to pull my kids out. So looking at what was coming down, I wasn't going to subject my kids to to this.
0: So the teacher told you that she was not allowed to change. She had to teach what she was told to teach. Yeah. And Myla, did you experience any kind of pushback?
2: So my kids were a little bit um, older and so I made a deal with my kids. My kids were athletes. I was a coach in the system. Um, I was in the classroom as much as I could be. And I just made a deal with them. I said, "I won't pull you out to homeschool you, but here's the deal: you don't take surveys, you object, you walk out of class, you call me from class, whatever. And we are not taking the SBAC test. We are not. We're not doing some of these things. And this is why we're not doing them. So." My kids had to stand, and a lot of times it was standing alone against principals and administrators. And it taught them to be better humans, I think.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of social pressure.
0: There's a lot of social pressure in this education system. And you've got these teachers whose paycheck depends on doing what they're told to do. I mean, you think about it, you go through school and you, you pay for your education and you have to go through your teacher certification. That's extra. And that's an extra amount of time of your life. And now you're you're making your paycheck, you're earning your living and you have to do what you're told. And these, what you're saying is these people are being told, teach these standards and you're telling them they can't make any changes.
1: Um, they can't make any changes. When we signed um, the agreements on this, there was a, a 15%. We can add 15% to the, the standards. But these teachers' paychecks are also – they're being connected to how the students do on the assessments. And if you're not teaching what's going to be on the assessment, you're going to be one of those teachers that are rated lower on the, the pay ladder and, or, you know, on the ladder. And, and, you know, like you said, they went to school. This is what they've been doing. You know, how else are they going to feed their families? And, mm-hmm. and it's been really interesting – as you've watched, you've, you find that a lot of older teachers are quitting. And you've got a lot of younger teachers who don't know any better coming in. Because the older teachers are like, we can't do this to our students. Hmm. And the younger teachers don't know any different.
2: But I want to be very, very clear. We had a lot of really good teachers. And um, I made friends with a lot of the teachers. And, I, and um, I had a lot of really good conversations with teachers. I had teachers that helped me and like showed me things within the, the data privacy of SchoolNet that showed me that when you, when you get your schoolnet online dashboard that's not the only page there is there's a page for teachers and there's a page for administrators and then you can actually go down to Sherry Ibarra's office and there's a whole other list of other things on your child that you never get to see and
0: and have access to so, so they're collecting data on your children correct and your family based on these tests that they can write up about, and the, and the superintendent of schools for the state can have access to that, but you, you do not have the right to see what's written about your family?
2: No. When I talked to the guy that actually helped develop our IC uh, system, he said, well, why would parents want access? We never even thought about that. And I said, well, who else in the on the earth would have the incentive to make sure that a child's information was correct and accurate besides a parent?
0: So we just got a few minutes left. We could probably do several (laughs) shows on this, but so what parents can do from here, the first thing I would imagine is get involved, get involved locally, attend school board meetings. Um, What else?
2: Well, we can always use help at Idahoans for local education. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) always, always. (laughs) We're always looking for people to uh, reach out to their elected constituency. Uh, We do actually have some fixes for the Idaho data privacy bill that doesn't have any checks and balances. And that was the one little piece that we would like to add is just some checks and balances. And I think this is a great year because it's an election year. Let's find out which candidates are willing to help protect your child's privacy.
0: So you have legislation pending that you want to present that will create some checks and balances for this, What what you told me was a data backpack that collects all this data on your children.
2: Yeah, we just need to create a check and balance. We, so we just need to do some slight amendments to, the, to
1: what's already there. We need to make sure that the state board has, has someone looking over their shoulder rather than them having access to all of it and determining what's right and wrong.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So so there you go. Uh, get involved, attend the school board meetings, talk with the teachers, find out what's going on as much as you can. Talk with uh, Myla or Stephanie by contacting the Idahoans for local education. Uh, Myla, Stephanie, thank you for being with us today. This is Daniel Bobinski of the Voice of Conservative Values, and I do want to thank our sponsor, Conservatives Of, which you can find at conservativesof.com. And I thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will catch you next week at the same time. And, of course, do get involved in your children's lives. You are their best advocates. Until then, next time, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to The Voice of Conservative Values. If you'd like to support this broadcast and Conservatives of in the Treasure Valley, you can do so at conservativesof.com. Freedom can only be maintained by a prayerful, informed, vigilant, and engaged citizenry.